For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone. This is Scott Reichel, and this is the Betting Bay Area Podcast and Believe Podcast. Now we're the Bay Area's number one sports podcast. Now we're the only place to show up for a team in the Bay Area and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're also available in Perfect Directory, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. And you can find me personally at Reichel Radio on Twitter. On this week's show, we're going to be diving into Week 10 of the NFL season. We're breaking down the San Francisco 49ers matchup against the New Orleans Saints from a betting perspective. Before we do all that, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at the game this year, but you can still have a lot of action at Bet Online. I know personally I'm going to be a bit upset that I can't visit any of the actual stadiums in itself for the next couple of months because of COVID, but I will be looking forward to watching games. There's nothing more exciting than watching games while you have money on and hopefully uh, you can make some money here at Bet Online based on the game spreads, team totals, player props, and even coaching props. Bet Online is everything, and they have a ton of options alongside an online casino, so action never stops. So once again, head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Van Barrier Podcast, the Believe Podcast Network. Now, before we end up going on break, we already previewed what we're going to be doing for this week's show. So without further ado, let's dive right in and let's talk about the upcoming matchup between the 49ers and the Saints. This will be taking place at 1.25 p.m. Pacific time, so keep that in mind. Set your calendars, you know, mark it accordingly. But for this matchup, we're going to start out with the 49ers, and wow, were they awful on Thursday night. We ended up going 0-2 in our last video. We leaned to the 49ers plus the points and the under uh the spread wasn't close at all green bay blew it open early the over under was a pretty bad beat as we had the under and then the 49ers scored a touchdown with two seconds left to put it over the total so we ended up getting a loss on both accounts pretty unfortunate look to bounce back here on thursday now the 49ers ended up losing 34 to 17 it wasn't even that close they ended up scoring two garbage time touchdown drives outscored the packers 14 to 3 in the fourth quarter, which means they were getting out, they were losing the game 31-3 to going into the fourth quarter, and then the 49ers scored a couple garbage time with uh, touchdowns, which helped out Mullen's stats, who ended up 22 for 35, 291 yards, one touchdown, one interception, which once again, first glance, doesn't look too bad, but when you actually watch the game, he was terrible, which explains why his QBR was only 16, he could do nothing, the ground game didn't work either, once again, game flow definitely played a factor. But San Francisco ended up having 17 carries for 55 rushing yards. Jerk McKinnon led the way, 12 carries, 52 yards, one touchdown. The garbage touchdown late. Uh, you also had Hasty, who did nothing at four carries for three yards. And that was pretty much it. Now looking at the turnovers, the 49ers also struggled a little bit with ball security. As Mullins threw an interception and Mullins also lost the fumble on a strip sack in the second half. So they really struggled with ball security and with moving the ball consistently. 49ers offensively had 337 total yards of offense, but that was very misleading. They barely had any first downs in the first half, which explains why they were down 21-3 to 3 
after the first 30 minutes. But looking at the receiving core, one person who definitely emerged and showed up in that game was Richie James, who was phenomenal as he had nine receptions for 184 yards and one receiving touchdown. Couldn't be stopped all night, got targeted 13 times, definitely showed up. The injury to Jair Alexander definitely helped because he's Green Bay's number one corner. But he was definitely phenomenal. Nobody else really did anything. Ross Dwelly, uh, the tight end who is arguably starting now, kind of splitting with Jordan Reed, had three receptions for 52 yards. McKinnon had three receptions for 16. Uh, really, nobody else did anything. Uh, Trent Taylor, who was supposed to be arguably the number one or number two receiver, had one reception for nine yards. So he was non-existent. Jordan Reed came back off IR, had one reception for three yards. Really just not a pretty performance, and that is definitely something that San Francisco is going to be looking to improve on for Week 10. But they also only sacked Aaron Rodgers once. Rodgers ended up having a QBR of 98.9. He had 305 passing yards, 4 touchdowns, 6 incompletions. So the San Francisco defense was awful, and they're going to be looking for a better performance here against Drew Brees on Sunday. Now, it is also worth mentioning that they just couldn't generate pressure on Rodgers at all. I know that I said one sack which kind of speaks for itself, but the 49ers didn't even generate pressure whenever they did not get a sack. Rodgers did whatever he wanted. Devontae Adams torched the entire San Francisco secondary as Adams had 10 receptions for 173 yards and one touchdown. Now they have to deal with with Michael Thomas, of course, who is not as good as Devontae Adams right now, but they have some issues when it comes to their secondary. Now that will be addressed partially. They ended up putting Tart on IR, so he's going to be out, but they end up getting Richard Sherman back off of IR which should definitely help the cornerbacks because they have been struggling with the lack of the pass rush due to injuries and the fact that the offense is has been struggling to actually keep possession of the ball. But look for that moving forward. You have to wonder about Thomas this week and how he will fare against Richard Sherman and company, so keep that in mind. Other than that, though, Marquez Valdez-Scaling had two catches for 53 yards and two receiving touchdowns, and then you had Mercedes Lewis with one yard, one reception, one touchdown. So... It was mostly Adams. He had 120 yards or more yards than any other receiver on the roster. So keep that in mind when it comes to San Francisco guarding future uh, number one receivers on depth charts for the rest of the season. But the loss ended up pushing San Francisco to four and five. They are firmly in possession of last place as Arizona and the Rams are both five and three. Seattle six and two. So San Francisco is definitely still technically in the hunt, but with all the injuries, Garoppolo still being out. Mostert's not coming back this week. All the injuries. San Francisco definitely is most likely going to be finishing in last place, which is pretty unfortunate. San Francisco at home this season's 1-4. and four. They've been a disaster so far this season at home, which is a serious problem because they are, were really good at home, of course, during their Super Bowl run because they kind of coasted through every team they faced. But in Levi's Stadium, they have not looked sharp at all, and now they have to travel on the road to face New Orleans. Now, looking at New Orleans' recent performance, they come off a phenomenal Sunday night performance against Tampa Bay, as people thought they were going to lose, and they turned all expectations on its head as they were able to win that game 38-3. Game was a wrap early, and it was just, it was, you could sleep through the entire second half. They were up 31-0 at the half. Breeze was ridiculous. I just talked about Rodgers' stats and how good they were. Breeze was 26-32, of 32, 222 passing yards four touchdowns, zero picks. He was unstoppable. Nobody did anything. Now, running the ball was pretty fascinating. Kamara only had nine carries for 40 yards, one touchdown. But leading the way for New Orleans rushing the ball was Taysom Hill, who had seven carries for 54 yards. Tavius Murray, 10 carries for 39 combined. 
New Orleans had 37 carries for 138 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, and one touchdown. So they really didn't do a good job running the ball. But at the end of the day, who really cares? Because the Saints knew they could just torch this Tampa Bay defense through the air, and that's exactly what they did, scoring 31 first-half points before taking their foot off the gas in the second half. Now, looking at how the defense performed, the defense was really good. They ended up forcing Tom Brady into zero touchdown passes, three interceptions, sacked him three times, 22 of 38, QBR of 3.8. So Brady was awful. New Orleans' defense was very sharp. They forced a couple of interceptions, and they were able to, to force a lot of three and outs in the first half, which dictated the pace of play. Now, looking at the receiving core for Tampa, Mike Evans led the way, four receptions for 64 yards. Godwin came back, three receptions for 41 yards. Antonio Brown played his first game with the Buccaneers, three receptions, 31 yards. But as a whole, the main reason why Tampa struggled is because of the fact that they couldn't run the ball early in the game, and they were forced to throw the ball in virtually every down. I know New Orleans is very good against the run, but Tampa Bay only attempted five running plays the entire game, and one was by Blaine Gabbert. So the starting running backs for Tampa had four combined carries in the entire game. So I'm not really sure what the game plan was, but they abandoned the run very quickly, and that is definitely a problem. Plus, uh, the Saints did a very good job at protecting Breeze. They only allowed one sack in the entire game. So Breeze had a clean pocket, found open receivers. Michael Thomas came back, and he looked pretty sharp. He didn't have great stats, but he had five receptions for 51 yards. So consistent, got open, caught some underneath stuff, but he'll definitely look to be more productive with uh, more snaps, etc. moving forward because that was his first game since week one. Other than that, though, they really spread the wealth. You had four receiving touches by four different players. You had tight end Adam Troutman had a touchdown pass with 39 receiving yards. Emmanuel Sanders had 38 receiving yards and a touchdown. Traquan Smith had one reception for 14 yards and a touchdown and Josh Hill had two receptions for 14 yards with a touchdown. So they really ended up spreading it around, and it really worked itself out, and they're going to be looking to do the same against the San Francisco secondary, which is battered. I just mentioned that Sherman's back, but Tart's going to be out, so you have to wonder just what's left of the San Francisco defense and how good Sherman's going to look in his first action of the season. So looking at some of the other breakdowns here, uh, the 49ers, uh, might have to take advantage of some turnovers because of the fact that New Orleans ended up losing two fumbles last game. Breeze lost a fumble, and Jared Cook lost a fumble, so they did turn the ball over twice. San Francisco, with their lack of talent on both sides of the ball due to injury, are going to need to win the turnover battle, and forcing turnovers is going to be the key if the 49ers want to keep this game close. But defensively, I already talked about the Saints and how they forced three sacks and four intercept and uh, three sacks and three interceptions. Looking at the sacks, you had Trey Hendrickson, who had two sacks, and you also had Malcolm Brown, who had one sack. For the interceptions, you had David Onyemata, who had an interception, and Malcolm Jenkins had an interception. So they were definitely very active in the secondary, and they're going to be looking to force Mullins into making a couple of of mistakes, which he has shown throughout his career that he is definitely capable of making, because his decision-making when he's under pressure is very, very underwhelming. And that interception he threw last week was one of the worst interceptions of the season. He tried to force a pass after he knew he was about to get hit from a defensive lineman. He forced it. He chucked it up. It was a lollipop, can of corn, fly ball, and baseball. And it was wide. The, the, the Green Bay guy had all the time in the world to fair catch the ball uh, before he caught the interception. So Mullins has looked awful. And I think the Saints should look to pressure him and force him to making some mistakes. But looking at this actual matchup, looking at the spread in this spot, it makes perfect sense that the Saints are a huge favorite in this spot because of the fact that the 49ers right now look like they're about to enter free fall. 
because I think Bethard's a better quarterback than Mullins, but Mullins is going to be getting the start from what I've heard. So that's something to keep in mind because I really don't think Mullins is good. And even though Bethard has only played a limited action, he did look really good in that fourth quarter against Philly. I don't think it hurts to try to see what you have in Bethard. Because you already know that Mullins is a blow average starting quarterback with not much upside. So maybe you can switch it up, try to find some type of life. But that offense had no productivity for the first half or so. Richie James was great. But if the 49ers want to compete with the current injuries they have with the Saints, they're going to need to put up points. And I simply just don't think that Mullins are going to be able to do so. But looking at the total and the spread, the Saints are currently at, eight, at roughly minus 9. So they're 9-point favorites. And the total has dropped from 53.5 to roughly 49. For my thoughts on this matchup, I'm going to be taking the Saints minus 9. And I'm going to be taking the under 49 in the game. Main reason why, I know the 49ers have a couple of extra days of preparation because they played on Thursday night. But this team right now is so injured that it looks nothing like it did when they ended up making the Super Bowl last year. They all Everybody who had a touch in that Super Bowl offensively did not play in the game last week, and they're still very injured. Most of it's not going to be back, so the ground game should be a serious issue once again because McKinnon, even though he's a running back, is definitely better at pass catching, and he struggled a bit in the ground game last week. Hasty was non-existent. I'm curious what his role will be going forward. But New Orleans defense clearly found something last week because they were able to win 38-3. Uh, to 3. They held Tampa with all their weapons and Brady to an abysmal performance, and I think that Mullen should turn the ball over a couple of times. They don't have many receivers. You're going to have Richie James matched up on Marshawn Lattimore. That should not be a real fun time. And then 49ers don't have many weapons. And defensively, Rich Sherman might be back. You have to wonder if he's going to be on a snap count. But Tart's now out, which definitely hurts the secondary as well. They can't rush the passer. Their linebacking core is okay, but they traded Quan Alexander, so they def it's definitely not as sharp as it once was. The 49ers defense is just underwhelming throughout, mostly based on injuries, but it's just the reality of the situation. And New Orleans offensively and defensively are coming in off of the best performance they've had all year long. So for me, now they're traveling back to the Superdome. I think New Orleans should win. They should have revenge for last year's ridiculous game in which they ended up losing by that game-winning field goal by Gould with no time left. New Orleans should be motivated to get revenge. San Francisco isn't just very it just isn't talented with this current roster. So for me, I think New Orleans should win this game probably by 10 to 14 points. If I had to go by scores, then the 49ers should score around, I'd say, 17 points in this game. So I think they're mostly going to single-handedly take this game under the total. But for the sake of this prediction for the score, I'm going to go with 30 to 17, and I think the four, which means that I think that the Saints will cover the spread, and I think this game will go under with a final score of 30 to 17. Other than that, though, that's an installment of the Ben and Barry Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Good luck to all of you and your respective best today. Bye, everyone. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.